0: Still haven't found what I was looking for. Yep, neither have I. But anyway, on this day in '97, U2 scored their second US number one single with uh, "I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For." Uh, Bono wanted the Joshua Tree to explore various forms of American music they encountered while touring there. It's also a spiritual enlightenment on the search for or a search for love, and received widespread acclaim. But uh, uh, I. You know that I'm not into you two, and I just had well, real it's issues. time we
1: agree on something.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I, people call it a rock classic, but when I hear you two, I just don't hear anything. I, I, and I, I cannot tell
2: you why. Look, I I personally am a fan. I I saw them at um, Mount Smart Stadium back in 2019, right before the lockdown. I actually got to meet them. They were a nice bunch of fellas. But what I will tell you is that song in particular has been so overplayed. The the overexposure has done it no favours. It is a classic. It's a lovely song. But I could see why you get sick of hearing it.
0: Julia, uh, are you not a U2 fan like I?
1: No, I would no. like to be, yeah, and exactly. I would, and I, I really would like to be because I find them an interesting bunch of guys, and <laughs> I kind of like Bono, but the fact I don't feel he can sing very well, and
0: the, yeah, there's something about U2, there's something about I can't put my finger on Julia that yeah. says no, thank you. Um, L. A. Times critic Robert Hilburn called U2 called this song u Two Let It Be, it's nothing like Let It Be. It's it's only half as good.
2: I I I think that Bono. I mean, having seen him in concert, and 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 I've never seen anyone disappear up himself quite as badly as Bono. I think he would like to imagine that that um, Let It Be is the Beatles still haven't found what they're looking for. It's, but no, it's it's not. That it was a great album. It really was. Right. But but no, it's been it's been overhyped and. And part of it is because Bono is one of the world's great self-hypers. He really is. Uh,
0: Maybe that's a – anyway, it is a 25 to 5, gosh, run off our feet with um, whether or not you should allow dogs in the office. No dog. It's a classist idea. A checker woman at Pack and Save can't bring their dog, but the manager might. Students in school want each of them to bring their dogs? Straight no. Babies go to daycare, and doggies, they go to daycare as well. I have no words. Well, I have no insight. I, I have, have
2: never no. been so disappointed in the listenership, Wallace. Seriously, No, I, never.
0: no They all agree with me. Thank you. Listeners. Well, they're all wrong then. They, they are. They, no. I have to
1: say, I agree. They, I'm quite disappointed, really.
2: Yeah.
1: And then. Yeah. I serious. thought there'd be more dog-loving people coming on. Come on, no, where no. are you, Julia?
2: We need to find a new radio station. No, this isn't no. working, is it?
1: I, I, I couldn't agree more.
2: Steve. No, no dogs in the office.
0: Anyway, a UK report looks at how well various cities in the world are doing. The business of cities made comparisons with nine other cities with key similarities, uh, including Brisbane, Portland, Austin, Copenhagen, Tel Aviv. And overall, it could do better for Auckland, scoring badly on productivity, reducing emissions extremely low, and for housing affordability not good at all and third lowest on locals view on finding fulfilling jobs 123rd out of 200 on R&D spending and we spend less than half on early stage funding of ventures compared with Melbourne with us to discuss Mark Thomas Committee for Auckland director Mark Kia ora, kia ora Wallace it seems that our wonderful city, our city with a beautiful harbour, we have a litany of concerns compared to Copenhagen, or Portland, or Brisbane, or Helsinki.
3: You could say we still haven't found what we're looking for, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah, we're on that... well, well played,
2: though. sir, well played.
3: <laughs> but, but the great thing about the report is, I don't want to say all the answers are there, but it's one of the most comprehensive things that's been done about Auckland, and Aucklanders have been very heavily involved in this. We've tried to talk about things that are important to them. Sustainability, transport, obviously, housing affordability, culture. So it, it covers a lot of issues. Um, and it sets a, a benchmark for us and, and tries to, I suppose, focus government, council, agencies and Aucklanders on a con- concerted agenda for action. Because, you know, what brings Auckland back sometimes is too many people with bright ideas of how to fix things. We need fewer arranged ideas and more of an agreement on a plan, and that's what we hope the report well,
0: will Well, I, I, I want to be proud of Tom again, Makoto, and I am. You know, I was born here, I lived here, uh, I grew up in Monroe, I went back, uh, went to the South Island, came back, and I just love it. But this actually, I felt a bit sad reading this. Um, it seems that Auckland, or felt like reading this report, Auckland doesn't really have a direction uh, with cities like Copenhagen. I mean, they've transformed themselves since the 60s. Us, not really.
3: Yes, that's right. Um, and we've looked at cities like Vancouver and Copenhagen, as you say, that have, have, have found more of what they're looking for. Um, I mean, there is some good news here. Um, we're in the top 10 globally for cities that exceed expectations because visitors come here uh, and actually generally get a better experience than they, um, than they could do. So there are some things we can take out to the international world. And say this is why you should come here. But you're right. Uh, we want to use this uh, to get more people not depressed, but actually energised about the challenge because we've got terrific natural assets here, a natural environment highly regarded. Aucklanders actually are considered sort of very friendly and appealing. Right? Really? So, so they are. So let's capitalise on that. But fix the innovation, um, the connectivity. Uh, and the opportunity problems that you talked
0: about. Well, our panelists are both from uh, Auckland. Show is that with you, Steve?
2: Look, I like Auckland. It's a great city to live in. Um... But it has its problems, and the, look, we we know what they are. Housing is broken, obviously. Public transport is broken, and the reason for that is we're not willing to invest the money in it. This is, this is a problem across New Zealand. Is we want we want things to happen, we want services, but we're not willing to pay for them, and and we're not going to go anywhere until we're willing to do that. You know, the government are talking about Harbour Bridge crossing with uh, the Harbour crossing with tunnels. They're going to have light rail in it. Brilliant idea! It's going to cost a fortune. People are going to bulk at that. Light rail was supposed to happen. It was going to cost a lot of money. It's still not happened years into it. We actually need to do stuff. We could, this is a great city. It could be an absolutely phenomenal city, but we do need to do things.
0: Mark
3: and number number one in the report is exactly that. It says consistent infrastructure investment and credible yeah. plans to deliver. One off mega projects really uh, actually don't help us that much because there's all the other things that aren't being addressed.
0: Yeah, Julia.
1: Well, I, look, I agree. I agree. The thing is, I think um, there's lots of things to address. I mean, I look, I'm I'm from Auckland, love Auckland, always been here most of the time. Um, but the thing is, I think now, especially, look, it, people are very friendly where I am. It, it's a way, the hello when you pass them on the street. It's really nice. But... I think in the city, I get so many reports from clients about how dangerous it is. Uh, and look, the traffic. And here's the thing, Wallace. This is why I'm not in the studio, because back in the day, I could get into to the studio in thirty-five to forty minutes from where yeah. I am. Yeah. Now yeah. it's an hour and a half on a good day, and Are a night. Are you serious? Day, totally. When I leave you at five o'clock, and I try and get out here, if there's, I mean, today there's a big funeral procession, which I don't want to get caught up in. Um, and if it's raining, I will be two, maybe more hours to get home.
0: That, that is how is bad. It is shocking! Now. It's interesting. So, five, five years ago, or no, four and a half years ago, when I was doing the show, you used to come in. Now, because to uh, hear this, it's gotten that bad in four and a half years.
3: And the report says that um, safety is, in fact, they've assessed it as a chronic risk. Uh, and on transport, you know, we're, we're bottom of all these cities in terms of a developed public transport network, which we know. So, so what we want to do is use the good stuff to both, you know, promote, um, New Zealand as a place for people to visit, for students to come, and particularly investment, actually, because we're going to need investment help to fix some of these, these deficits that we've been, um, ignoring, frankly, too much for too long.
0: I want to be proud of the city, Mark. I want to be proud, like when you go to Melbourne or you know Brisbane, you go, "Wow!" You know. I think who was it? Martin Bosley said um, he didn't want to um, acknowledge it, but he just felt this overwhelming sense of Melbourne was a play, was a city that was going somewhere like Brisbane. How can we do that for Tamaki Makaurau? You know, one of the authors said, "Work on one hundred ideas; it'll be diluted. Just pick one or two things." So, Mark Thomas, what would you
3: pick? Well, I think the one idea that I would pick is actually getting alignment on the fix. Uh, and look, that doesn't sound very sexy. But, but if, if I say, look, I want us to focus on innovation, uh, you might say you want to focus on transport uh, or safety. So this is, this is actually part of the problem. Everyone's got their idea. We've got to get um, the, the government, the council and others on board. I mean, Carmel Cepaloni, Deputy Prime Minister, Minister of she helped launch this saying She wants to use this to better inform decision-making. It also supports a lot of Wayne Brown's agendas, fixing transport, getting infrastructure done. So the idea is not to pick and mix from this. It's to say we've got an agenda of action. There's a lot of things we need to do. Let's start. We're going to be doing this annually, and we're establishing a permanent steering group to kind of actually keep keep people's focus on, on making progress.
2: I mean, one thing I I would focus on, if if anyone ever asked me about it, and nobody ever does, obviously, but one thing we would do, we need to do something with the waterfront. We have got, uh, I mean, obviously, it's important to the economy, but is this the right way to use one of the most spectacular natural harbours in the world? Uh, West part of the south of, of of Auckland Harbour, we've we've got a motorway running along it. East part, we, we're filled with with container ships. Is that the best use of a phenomenal asset?
0: That's a good starting point, uh, Mark. But I think that Wayne Brown, he was on the show uh, talking about this very very thing. Goes, you know, so we've got to get, we've got to get beyond that red fence.
3: That, that's right, and and when we we score highly on experience because. Of the beautiful harbour we've got, yeah. but but the report also says exactly what you're saying. We've got this congested port that's in the wrong place, and so it says, why don't we do what other cities have done and and have it have a plan, as the mayor's perhaps alluded mm. to, of of changing that. It. It's not just the port, but that's right. We've got the assets in place. We need to do a much better job leveraging them.
0: All right, Mark. Good to have you on. That's Mark Thomas, their committee for Auckland director there on how to make uh, Auckland like. Portland or Brisbane or Copenhagen or Tel Aviv. Mind you, there are um, problems in each of those areas. I know that Portland is struggling with a um, uh, a fentanyl crisis, actually. Anyway, 16 to 5. Uh, Wallace, your problem with you two is quite simple. You have just terrible taste in music.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I agree with you this time, Wallace, and that's unusual.
0: It is good that you've embraced your lack of musical discernment and voiced your love of such abominations as sharday Phil Collins, and Celine oh. Dion.
2: Well, I'm delighted to see that the audience is redeeming itself here. Finally an opinion I can get behind. Well done, mate.
0: All right, the panel are international. In an effort to from dogs to cast now, in an effort to save our nat- native wildlife, it could soon become mandatory to register and de sex cats, following the advice of a petition presented in twenty twenty one. A select committee has now called for legislation to be put in place. It was first presented by Erica Rowlands, who says that requiring cats to be registered and de sexed will reduce their populations, enforce responsible cat ownership and protect our wildlife. On top of this, the committee heard several other submissions, including one from the Ministry for Primary Industries. With us is Predator Free NZ Trust Chief Executive Jesse Morgan. Jesse, ora. Are you there, Jesse? Yes, kia ora. You'd be thrilled with this news, I can imagine. Y- yes.
4: I, um, I am thrilled. A, a, a bunch of stakeholders have been working on this for a number of yeah. years, and so it's good to see some progress in the right direction.
0: I know because we we, we have been talking about this for quite some time, including uh, you've been on the panel a couple of times before on this very, very issue. But here mm. we have, it could soon become mandatory to, to register and de sex cats. What sense, what mood do you get from people? Uh, about this issue, are people broadly supportive of it of it, or will there be a lot of pushback?
4: no I th- um there's a huge amount of support now for right. responsible cat ownership, and I think um, people realize that we need to take a different approach to cat management and desexing and microchipping your cat is of the basic steps really to be a responsible cat owner.
0: Julia.
1: Well, look, I couldn't agree more. Uh, being an animal person, we have to do that with our dogs. And I think, unless you're a breeder, dogs should all be, also be desexed. All my dogs have been desexed, but I think c- because cats are predators, then they more so they they and they should be registered like dogs. I don't see why they shouldn't be. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm in agreement. I think it should be.
0: Stay with the Juicy, Steve.
2: Well, we if if we're. Um... Microchipping and desexing home domestic cats. that's all well and good, but then the moment they want to go outside, we lose control of them. It's very hard to contain cats in the way it is you can contain dogs. The moment they're outside, they are going to be predators, and they're going to be a nuisance. And they're not even the main problem. It's the feral, the wild, the stray cats, the ones that don't belong to anybody, who it doesn't matter what we do with domestic cats, they are still going to be destroying native birds. So I don't know that this is the right. this is necessarily the well, I- entire solution.
1: But I guess if, if 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 cats can't get out there and breed randomly at nighttime or whatever, that you know, the, the fact is that there, there'll be less and less.
0: Do you want to respond to that, Jessie?
1: Yeah. Well, firstly,
4: um, around the world, cats are kept. You know, companion cats are kept home quite happily um, because there are other apex predators that threaten your cat if it goes out and roams. So that's really a behaviour change and a cultural expectation in New Zealand that we let our cats roam, um, mm. even though they can get into harm's way, they can get hit by cars, they can eat you know, poison or whatever. So first of all, keeping your cat home, safe and happy at home, is what the SPCA recommends. Um, it's actually best practice cat ownership, and it's really easy to do once you start doing it. So that's just a behaviour change. Um, and part of the reason for the microchipping or the requirement of microchipping is so that we can tell the difference between what an owned cat is and what an unowned cat is, and that will allow us to um, control the numbers of feral cats wandering around um, in the wilderness without the threat of us or without the risk of us harming someone's important companion animal.
0: Well, just so- remind us, remind us Jesse, what kind of an impact uh, do cats have on wildlife?
4: Yeah, well, they have, they have a, um, a huge impact on our native wildlife who are completely defenceless against um, cats, and all cats have the ability to kill. Um, so, for example, 50% of kia predation is done by cats. Um, we know that cats can go and clear out complete roosts of our um, native bats. They, you know, they kill out a lot of lizards. So they have a they have a huge impact on our native species.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, you, you mentioned that cats don't have uh, apex predators to contain them. Maybe we need to introduce a new apex predator to contain the cats.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we need coyotes. I think that might introduce some other <laughs> problems um, in our in our ecosystem. But, what could possibly I mean- go <laughs> wrong? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But that is that is the problem, that in New Zealand we had, you know, in 1996 the Dog Act was introduced, so it's not that many years ago that dogs were free to roam the streets too. Um, that, and so right. almost overnight there was a huge change in behaviour and it set really clear expectations for dog owners that the normal behaviour was to keep your dog on your property, to register it with the council, you know, and keep it on a lead and Um, in certain places and so we just need that to happen for cats um, and to change this culture we have of letting our cats roam because it's not working. I mean wildlife's one element of it but also the public health component of cats pooping in your vegetable patch um, you can't, you know, if cats are doing that, you've got no recourse as a property owner to get that cat off your property, really. And it shouldn't be up to you to have to keep it off your property.
0: Yeah, that's one text you, How do I keep the neighbour's cat out of my garden chasing birds and pooping everywhere? Uh, but interesting, uh, Jesse, I did not know that about dogs. Uh, I did not know that at all.
4: Yeah, it's quite recent. I, rem- I remember um, being terrified to walk around the block until that um, act came in and then I could walk around the block safely yeah. without fear of dogs.
0: Very good. Anyway, Jesse Kiora, good to have you on. That's Jesse Morgan there, Predator Free NZ Trust Chief Executive. I'm sure you'll be hearing uh, more about that particular issue in um, time to come. Uh, Could soon become mandatory to register and d sex cats. Meanwhile, the feedback, loving your feedback this afternoon, is really rolling in. Mark, although, says, Wallace, gosh, what planet are you on? You too has won. Twenty-two Grammys, more than anyone else. The band has sold 170 million records. Is one of the most successful in history. That's why I'm confused. Why don't I like you too? What What am I not hearing? I want to know. Uh, I might have to do
2: something on it on the panel. I'll I'll, I'll send you a playlist. Okay, do educate you. Okay, please do, please do. Uh,
0: And also this one here, Julia. Julia, I'm in my seventies and I'm continually asked, "When am I going to retire?" No, thank you. I love the new challenges and people I meet every day. Each to their own. I'll do me. You do you. So no to retirement. So there's one for you, Julia. Um, But finally, yeah, uh, yeah, finally on the panel, you've all seen them and felt them under your feet. Yes, we're talking about those little yellow studs scattered at the edge of crossings. They were installed to assist visually impaired pedestrians, but they may well be doing harm as well as good. Just last week, a woman had surgery to repair a broken tibia after slipping on the plastic dots. Diane Rogers from Blind and Low Vision NZ admits they are invaluable for those without sight but says they can be a slip hazard when wet. With us is Diane Rogers from Blind and Low Vision NZ. Kia ora, Diane.
5: Kia ora. How are Uh, you both?
0: Very well. I raised the issue because I myself find them quite slippery and wondered about the actual nature of them and what do they do. How many accidents are these dots causing?
5: Um, We haven't been collecting data on the number of accidents with them. I understand though that the reporter that wrote the article in the New Zealand Herald had um, tried to get some data out of ACC and according to that report, there was only 47 claims lodged in 10 years, but... Clearly, um, with the weather events and the rain, these these items, while they're meant to help the blind, those with visual impairment, they can also be a hindrance to people every day because it's the way they're laid out, the types of materials that are used to um, you know produce the, the tactile uh, surface indicators, absolutely, whether you're in a hurry, whether you're not getting the right yes. surface connection, the footwear you're wearing. Clearly, and it's horrible what's been happening. Um, The report talked about a number of people that had been injured and that's not, you know, that's a shocking state of affairs. But these tactiles were designed to help sight-impaired people find their way around independently. So I'm sure everybody agrees with that principle, but clearly when they're wet, they can be a slip, trip and fall hazard, which nobody wants to happen. Yeah, good,
0: good intentions. Shopping, uh, here's shopping. one. Yeah, we Sue. Sue says Diane. Yeah. Diane. Sue says I have slept many times in Auckland on these yellow dots at train stations and corners. They are very uh, dangerous. Uh, Julia.
1: Well, they are. I've slipped on them and I just don't know what idiot made them slippery. Why on earth couldn't they be gritty so that they're yeah. still there but they've got a grit on them so no one is going to slip? I mean, what? what who the hell decided to make them shiny and slippery?
0: Diane?
5: I don't know the full history. it. Mean, they go back years, but there is a standard in New Zealand on what should be done. It's called the um, RTS-14. It's meant to be administered by... The New Zealand Transport Agency and Auckland Transport. There are different types of um, tactile pavers, and it's one. It's it's a matter of how they're cleaned and maintained. But there's been clearly a number of incidents where people have fallen and injured themselves through the plastic ones, and mm. we know that they can be hazardous as well for everyone, including those that are using them to navigate. So. There there are different types of tactile um, surfaces, tactile, and one of the areas that is being recommended is these. you can get a sealed, yellow, pigmented concrete tile. And I'm sure that, you know, hopefully the authorities are looking at... I mean, they need to understand that this is a concern. What can they do about it? How can they improve the standard? What are some of the newer products coming onto the market? They've got to be maintained um wallace they've got to be cleaned they've got got Checked, and of course you need people to do that that needs to be enforced and monitored and typically in um, a lot of things that in our city things aren't repaired they aren't monitored it takes an accident to highlight the problem
2: okay steve yeah Um, i mean surely maintenance is the issue here i can't imagine that these were originally installed as slick as they are now but over years, with people walking around them, and they are—they're basically are they're, they're hard plastic, aren't they? Uh, and so, they so they're going—they they are going to wear down to a slick surface, which is going to be yeah. a, a skating rink in the rain. And so, surely, either either send somebody out to scuff them up once a month. Or install them as somebody as you just suggested, with with say concrete, which is going to be less resistant. But yeah, just to simply install them and say, right, we're good and then leave it indefinitely and let them become no longer fit for purpose is is reckless. So like we say, yeah, you can't just Say, right, we've ticked the box, we're compliant, we're all good, and then wait for accidents to happen. Maintain the damn things.
0: Well, those yellow dots, says someone, are not a stitch on the red pavers that are all over the Auckland CBD. They are a death trap. I've got to say, Diane, those red pavers can be very, very, very slippery, those red tiles. Um, uh, Leslie says the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Couldn't resist Yeah, Diane. I think, I think the other thing, yeah, I
5: think yeah. the other thing, Wallace, is that we all need to be very aware. Like we're going to have more more wet weather. It's all of these environmental issues that you know we just. I mean, the, the shoes we wear when we out walking or travelling. and it's a multiple thing, isn't it? It's your own totally. safety. Thinking about you know, and the edges of these things are quite dangerous. Moving from one surface to a to the edge of where they are. So yes, it's not a it's not a it's, it's another hazard for us. Absolutely, it, it yeah. Help. Hey, we don't want it to be a hindrance, so we need to th- make sure people
0: are aware of it. Thanks for highlighting it, Diane. Thanks very much. The yellow dots there. there, Diane Rogers there, there from Blind and Low Vision NZ. And by the way, you too. You too did not have the most Grammys. Fact-checking here. Yeah, thank you, Sam. Beyonce got the most with 32. Then you've got George Salty with 31. Then Quincy Jones with 28 um U2 is down at 22 and they have the most Grammys by group so that is a fair point so by group it's U2 then the Foo Fighters then the Union Station which is Alison Krauss isn't it and then the Chicks the Dixie Chicks with 12 Grammys amazing what a great band see that's music the Chicks that is music isn't it folks yeah anyway julia hartley moore steve mccabe wonderful to have you on the program i'm wallace chapman see you tomorrow 3:45. lisa owen and checkpoint is next